and I always knew in the back of my head that real estate was the game. But for me, um, real estate just seemed like a, a really far cry, right? I always thought that real estate was um, for rich old people, right? That that like had big trust funds and they can go out and buy several houses. To me, buying one house was a far cry, let alone multiple. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Hey everyone, real quick before we start the show, Brad wrote an amazing ebook that will teach you everything you need to know about house hacking and living rent free. To get a free copy, text house hack all one word to 22828. That's house hack all one word to 22828 to get your free copy. Welcome to House Hacking Success. Today we have Matt Beccaro from the 203K Way. Matt, we appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome to be here again, dude. Uh, it's been a it's been a little while, but uh, thanks for inviting me back. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So you're still the most popular show we've ever had. People contact us all the time <laughs> about the 203K, and we're awesome. constantly referring them to you. Um, I'm you know I personally use the 203K loan, so it has a special place in my heart. I know what it can do. Uh, you know, you've had you had a similar scenario. A big, right. It just basically allows you, the bank will pay for the rehab. Um, mm-hmm. And as young investors or new investors with little money, you know, when we're starting out, this can be right. a great opportunity for people. So I appreciate you coming on for this. Absolutely, Brad. Thanks, dude. So let's kick it off because we're in the middle of this pandemic, COVID-19. Um, so it's, it's new territory for everyone. But uh, how has this sort of affected you being in New York City and then also kind of the FHA programs uh, and, you know, What's going on with all that? Sure. So, uh, yeah, so obviously um, I'm right in the thick of it. Um, you know, I'm in New York City at right now and have been. And, um, you know, starting in the beginning of March or middle of March, they pretty much just shut everything down. So, you know, New York City uh, has been has been an interesting place to live. Um, you know, haven't really done too much besides stay inside. But um, what's been cool about that is I have been able to spend a lot more time on, you know, people that follow me and have interest in the 203K loan, have interest in any type of renovation loan, really leveraging it um, to the best of your advantage. So, um, you know, as this whole thing started, you know, I actually got back in the market for the first time in a little while, and we could talk a little bit more uh, about that later. But, um, and very quickly, I was seeing the amount of opportunity out there that I had not seen in probably a year or two years. Um, so since then, I've made a big push uh, with all the people that have showed interest um, in in the 203K way and the strategy that I used. And really started pushing it. And a lot of people that came on board and started asking me questions about it were seeing the same type of opportunity. So with that, though, um, came a lot of challenges. Um, I know on my end, uh, there was a deal that I had and the funding that I typically depend on wasn't there. Um, It was something that I was not anticipating because we've, you know, think about how the market's been the last couple of years. I mean, I mean, hard money lenders were were dying to give money away, right? Um, you know, rates were insane. Uh, money was extremely cheap, and um, you know, for that reason, everything was getting priced up and priced out. Uh, same type of thing started happening with uh, with the FHA loans, with two hundred three k loans, and mortgages in general. Very quickly, um, you know, once this whole thing started, more uh, you know, interest rates dropped, then mortgage rates dropped along with it, and then. Um, you know, then the fed ended up buying up all the mortgages, but what that ended up doing is that ended up screwing all the servicing companies because they hedge against themselves. It's super, super, um, uh, confusing to understand, but all I really saw the writing on the wall and what people were asking me is like, well, what the hell does this mean for me? And, um, you know, after talking with a lot of really, um, respected professionals in the industry that are really big with renovation loans, they said that it really depends on the company right now. Basically what happened was, um, this big turn of events basically exposed the guys that were over leveraged, right? Just like you could be over leveraged in real estate. You can also be over leveraged as a company. We're seeing that with a lot of companies, right? Having to lay people off immediately, having no cash flow to float them even, you know, a week, 
you know, mortgage companies were running into the same type of deal. So because of that, you're seeing a lot of companies suspend their renovation programs because when they look at their spreadsheet and or they look at their business, right, they're they're looking to chop off the things that that require the most resources, probably, right? Which 203ks typically do. Um, and, you know, for the guys that really, truly specialize in it, they did keep it on board. Um, that being said, they also are pretty much keeping uh, home style loans across the board. Home style loans are very, very similar to 203K loans. A home style is a Fannie Mae loan. So it's not the FHA. Uh, it has a little looser standards, um, it, but it requires a little better of a credit score. And um, it's not a solid 3.5% down payment across the board. It kind of varies depending on uh, a couple different factors one being if you're you know trying to do a house hack um, li live in one unit um, rent out the others uh, a home style loan typically the, the down payment amount goes higher um, as you add more units uh, that being said overall again um, if you look and I've been able to really push people in the right direction depending on where they are in the country because I do network with a lot of these people um, they're out there and uh, you know a, a big a big misconception that's going on right now that I want everybody to know is um, you're having mortgage companies that are making blanket statements to borrowers saying where no one's doing 203ks right now or investors aren't are backing out of 203ks or you must FHA raised their guidelines to 700 credit score. That's not true. FHA didn't change anything and they they never will. But the banks that overlay, right? So a bank, the FHA just insures the loan. They don't write the loan themselves. The banks do. The banks have the ability to overlay whatever they want on top of any federal loan, okay? So even though the FHA tells you, you know, we need a minimum of 580, they'll accept a minimum of 580, but maybe the bank won't take anything less than 620, if that makes sense. So right. really low, basically what I'm trying to get at here is at the end of the day, just be really careful with who you're talking to and don't take no for an answer because um, from what I've been seeing, and, and this is over the course of the last two months, and things still change every day, but over at the end of the day, if you're looking, if you're really driven and you should be at this time right now, if you have the capacity to buy a house right now and you, and you still cross off all the T's and dot the I's on what you need for qualification, there's tremendous opportunity right now that I'm seeing. I mean, I was placing offers on properties and I was getting, you know, I was placing, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 under asking price and uh, was getting offers coming back. So people can expect the same thing if they're smart. Yeah, absolutely. And something to keep in mind for everyone is that at some point, this storm is going to pass. Um, and you know, you mentioned the word opportunity, uh, but before we kind of go into those, what those opportunities are, your uh, 60 second hack, uh, for lenders, we're going to talk about later, but, but it is very important, um, that people know that, you know, picking the right lender. And when people do tell, you no, it doesn't always mean anything because even in good times, uh, you know, lenders were saying that, you know, they didn't want to do two or three Ks. Um, right. but, uh, so let's talk about those opportunities, right? Sure. This is, uh, we're having a little bit of a, we're, we're at a stall right now. Basically, throughout the country, especially in in New York, we're very similar in Michigan here. Um, most everything's shut down except for essential things. Right. What are those opportunities that you're seeing uh, for 203K uh, borrowers and just investors in general? So I, I think at the end of the day, um, all the over leveraged guys, all the big cash buyers that were that were flying by the skin of the seat of their pants um, basically vanished overnight. OK, um, you know, as an investor and as a flipper, which is what I do now, you know, you have a lot of these guys that are buying up all this hard money. Um, you know, you have the I call them the retail investors, right? The people that um, are, are, you know, bought a course uh, from an infomercial um, and, and started wanting to get into house flipping, you know, uh, you know, um, like retired doctors that want to get into house flipping for fun, all these people that are really just buying up properties just because. And uh, I know in my market in particular, I was seeing ARVs um, at like just 
just astronomically high, right? Um, you know, what was happening in my market was, you know, think, think how hot the market was last year. I mean, I don't know what it was by you, but near us, it was like, it was a race to the top. Um, how can we set records? Realtors were super bullish. Um, and they're basically saying, you know, oh yeah, you can definitely get 600,000 for this property. When in reality, it really would trade for 550. Could you get 600,000? Maybe if all the stars aligned, Maybe if, you know, you got the perfect buyer that was looking for that exact street, something like that. But at the end of the day, unless you want to hold this property for eight months, which is, which is what I was seeing towards the end, right before we hit COVID, um, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to get those numbers. And for me as an investor, I price to sell, I price to sell from the beginning. I run my numbers at pricing to sell. And what a lot of these guys were doing was they were running their numbers at setting records. Okay. And for a little while that was happening here, but after after you know after covid that's not going to happen anymore right everything's going to correct that being said the opportunity lies in the fact that there's no more of those buyers out there you're not competing with retail buyers you're not really competing with cash buyers as much because cash buyers were heavily dependent on that cheap hard money um, you know, I don't know how, how familiar everybody is with hard money, but you know, hard money are these typically, you know, money guys, right? They're, they're family offices. They're, um, you know, a conglomerate of people that have a bunch of money and they pool together and they basically become their own bank. And, uh, you know, as times got good and everyone's 401ks and investment funds were getting higher and higher because we were had one of the best bull markets we've had in a long time. Um, mark money got cheaper and cheaper because the, the hard money lenders were getting really competitive with each other. So they were at a race to the bottom who can lend the cheapest money. So cheap money is going to drive the prices of everything up. But now COVID overnight, like I said, I learned from that. I got into contract with the property and there was a very good hard money lender that I have a great relationship. And just like that, he pulled the rug from underneath me, said, I can't lend on this. And this is a guy I have a really good relationship with. Now, it was it it was it was a uh, blessing in disguise for me because I understood now that I was um, a little too uh, dependent on one lender. So I've since changed my strategy and I've been building up my hard uh, my private money reserves. Um, and you know, for people that are looking to just get their first deal, you are no longer competing with these guys, right? I know I know a big a big. Uh, fear that a lot of people have, or some people run into is that, you know, they go in with a renovation loan and they get beat out by a cash buyer, right? Those cash buyers aren't there right now. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it right now as we speak. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a correction that needed to happen and I'm happy it did. Uh, you know, I don't know the black swan, you know, the black swan was coming. We just didn't know how it was going to get here. Right. Um, lo and behold, it's COVID. And, um, you know, if this is the worst of it, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, with all said and done, you know, this isn't like we're not having a world war, you know what I mean? Like, um, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we will, there will be light at the end of the tunnel. And for the people that are, you know, are ready and able to, you got to start making offers out there right now, because there are these, there are these sellers that are nervous too. And they are hold every day. They hold this property is one day longer than they were expecting. So, um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing people take much lower offers than what's listed. Yeah. And uh, another opportunity, of course, you know, there's a lot less cash buyers out there. There's a lot less buyers in general, which right. means you're much more competitive with it. Uh, and another thing, because a lot of people listening on the show uh, and you as well, you know, are, are geared towards cash flow um, and, and financial independence. A lot of people are, are really pushing for, for, you know, for that potentially leaving job and stuff. One of the things that 203K, I think is underrated with the whole thing is the fact that once you renovate the property, uh, a lot of people complain about maybe not being able to hit 1% rules or at 0.5% rules, right? Things <laughs> right, like that. Right. <laughs> 203K, when you buy a property much lower and you you appreciate, force appreciate that property, uh, you're able to get, you know, maybe, you know, 2% rules, uh, you know, things of that nature. I mean, rents for me after I got done with mine were three times my mortgage payment, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And that's because I force appreciate the property so much. And so right. um, that's a great advantage of the 203K. So- Let's go into your kind of personal story, your background, and uh, what led you to the 203K loan. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, I get getting out of college, I, I knew um, I knew immediately um, once I worked so hard my whole life to get the uh, the American dream, so to speak. You know, a, a great paying job, working in the city, um, good benefits, nothing to complain about. Um, 
by the book, uh, I started working and realizing that, oh, this isn't how you get rich. Um, this, how do people get rich? Like, I never really understood. I came from a working class family and, you know, they, they definitely weren't rich, you know, very, you know, very blue collar. And, um, you know, I thought being rich was you can, you can work for a company, work up the corporate ladder. I've, I figured that out very quickly, which, you know, a lot of people figure out one way or another. And, um, you know, it led me down the path of trying to figure out how to get to that level, right. Get to that level of wealth that I wanted so bad. Cause for me growing up, um, finances were always a soft subject. They were the topic of every argument in our house, every argument between my parents. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's when you're young, it's very, you, you, you get, um, you're very impressionable and little things bother you. And for me, it was money, right? So I was always obsessed with money, um, to a fault. And, you know, coming out of college, I wanted to supplement, um, my, my, regular income somehow. And I, I tried a whole bunch of different things. You know, I tried trading stocks. I tried like making money online, you know, having, um, you know, doing like some commerce stuff, trying to do affiliate marketing things. I tried it all. Um, and I always knew in the back of my head that real estate was the game. But for me, um, real estate just seemed like a, a really far cry, right? I always thought that real estate was, um, for rich old people, right? That, that like had big trust funds and they can go out and buy several houses. To me, buying one house was a far cry, let alone multiple, right? So, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, I, I, I was doing research and I found out about wholesaling, right? Cause you know, the big, the big, uh, selling point on wholesaling is, you know, you get into real estate investing with no money and no credit. Um, and it's, and it's a very alluring, um, you know, it's a very alluring hook. And a lot of people do get hooked in with that. And, you know, I, I found out very quickly, uh, a couple of things about wholesaling. Number one, it does take money. Uh, it takes a lot of money and, uh, it takes a lot of time. And for me with my full-time job and, and everything that was going on, I couldn't seem to crack it. And I tried that for a long time. I, between that, I tried that. I tried finding off market deals and trying to get seller financing. Um, you know, I tried to convince, uh, my friends and family to invest with me, even though I had never done a deal before. Um, and basically fell on my face a bunch of times. And it was over the course of actually three years that I was trying all this stuff and just kept failing. So, uh, it, one day I was at my local real estate investment association, uh, meetup, you know, a lot of, a lot of markets have this and, uh, the president of it is, uh, this lady named Melissa. And I, I was able to grab her one day and I had taken her mentorship program that she charged a lot of money for. And it was all really stuff that I had learned before in different books. And it was just rehashed. And I was like, Oh, here we go again. So I grabbed her. I'm like, listen, if you were in my position, you could do this all over again. Like you're really successful. And you know, I, I, I tried wholesaling, didn't crack it. Um, you know, I got a couple grand in the bank. I'm 20, you know, whatever it was, five years old at the time. What would you do? And she said, I would buy uh, a property using a 203k loan, live in it because it's an owner occupied loan. But the great thing about it is you only need to put 3.5% down. I'd live in it. I'd live in the basement. I'd rent out the upstairs, something like that, rent it out to friends. And then after a year or two, you know, you're single, you know, at the time I was, and she's like, you know, you move out, you make sure it cash flows. And then you got one property under your belt for, for less than for about the money you have in your, in your bank account right now. I said, how is this the first time I've ever heard of this? She's like, well, you know, it's got some stipulations and stuff, but it works. And that was it. And that's, that's all I heard about it. Right. So naturally I went home and started digging and, and I couldn't really find anything on it. Um, it's, it's still a loan that confuses the hell out of people. Um, it's, it, it, most lenders turn it down. Most, uh, you know, most, most realtors don't like it, um, because it holds up from what they want to do, which is sell houses. Um, so, you know, it was hard for me to get information on it. And, you know, fast forward again, I ended up calling a, a, a family friend because it, it popped into my head again. And I'm like, let me see if I could even do this. So I called up a family friend who's a mortgage broker and uh, basically asked him about this whole process. And he's like, yeah, you could do it. Let me get you pre-approved right away. And he, he did. And I think if it wasn't because he was a family friend, he was my cousin's best friend growing up, I probably wouldn't have given him my social. I probably wouldn't have given him my, uh, you know, all my information, my pay stubs and everything like that. But I felt like he wasn't going to stare me the wrong way because he's someone I trusted. Any other lender, I would have never done it. And I'm really grateful that he did push me um, at the end of the day. Although uh, one of the things that I now tell everybody is 
getting a lender that's experienced with these types of loans, these renovation loans, 203k loans, home style loans, what have you, um, is the absolute most important part of the entire process. Um, I found out very quickly that my um, family friend, who was the mortgage officer, had absolutely no idea what he was doing. No one at the bank knew what they were doing. They had really never done this before, um, but they wanted the business, so they went through with it. And that caused a lot of issues that I had. But what was great about it was I learned so much. And um, at the end of the day, you know, fast forward, um, you know, I, I ended up finding a duplex property, and we can go into that more. You know, some people that listen already might know my story, but you know, I ended up finding a super distressed duplex, um, bought it for two seventy, put about eighty thousand into it, and it was all into it for three hundred fifty thousand. Right, like you said before, a renovation loan, you're able to wrap your renovation costs into your purchase price, and that becomes one mortgage that you pay on. So I had a three hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage. Um, after all was said and done, it reappraised for four. Right off the bat, right when I was done, eight months later. Um, so you know, right there, one hundred thirty thousand in equity off of a ten thousand dollar down payment. Right, that's insane. And 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 it was that moment that it really put it into perspective. I'm like, holy crap! Not to mention, I can live for free now because I'm renting out one unit and living in the other. Right. Mm -hmm. So putting those two together, lo and behold, I I thought to myself, I'm like, I killed myself for three years trying to spend thousands of dollars on marketing for leads and all this kind of stuff and following all these courses and everything like that. No one ever mentioned the 203k loan ever. And because there's so much, there's a taboo behind it. So my goal when I was done was to remove the taboo, remove the veil from this 203k loan renovation lending. And, uh, and that's really what I've, what I've dedicated a lot of my free time to. So let's go into that a little bit because you talk a little bit about uh, some of the gimmicks and um, you know things that are out there, the easy uh, maybe pushes uh, for some of the gurus and things like that, right? I mean, wholesaling um, from my uh, my you know perspective as well, sometimes it's even more difficult than you know being an investor because man, you got to look a at doubt. you got to look at hundreds of thousands of deals to just come across you know one or two that you can and you got to really know what you're doing. You know, it's totally. it's not like a newbie. You know, uh, I, I get wholesalers to send me, you know, newbie wholesalers to send me things. And I'm like, eh, that those aren't the ARVs or, or that's not the rehab price, things like that. But I, I, I digress from that. Let's talk about, you know, you talked about the mortgage broker being sort of the pivotal point to this whole process. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I had a, the exact same experience because I happened to go with the one that didn't. Your 60 second hack. Let's go through that because that is maybe if whoever's listening right now, this is the most important advice on this entire loan, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, um, you know, again, like I said, there's guys out there that do these day in, day out. There's people out there that specialize in these because they saw the niche, they saw the opportunity and, um, you know, they're going to lead you down the, they're going to lead you down the right path because they do these, right? So there's a really quick and easy way to find out who's doing the most 203k deals in your market. Um, and it's something called the 203K endorsement summary. Now, um, a really uh, now friend of mine um, who is a 203K consultant who I found through, you know, he saw what I was doing and he contacted me. Uh, his name's Garrett Feist. He is uh, an extremely um, knowledgeable individual on the 203K loan. He actually helped write the guidelines with the FHA back in the early nineties. Um, so he's awesome and he's been extremely helpful because he, he really obviously believes strongly in the 203 K and, uh, loves what I'm doing and, and forwarded this information to me. And it kind of blew my mind because it's not easy really always to find a good 203 K lender, right? Like, you know, like you said, a lot of them kind of steer you away, um, for whatever reason. And, you know, the best way to do this is to find the ones that are doing it in your market. So basically what you do is you Google 203K endorsement summary. All right. And that the first link that comes up will be a link to the HUD website. And then you're going to see a bunch of links of months and years. And it starts, you know, from probably back in 2007 or something like that. But if you scroll all the way down, you can go to the most recent month, whatever it is. You click that link at the bottom, and it's going to bring up uh, basically a, word, a, a a notepad document. It's very uh, very archaic, but all you need to do is you look up at the top, and you're going to see all of the United States major markets. 
Okay, you know, Chicago, San Francisco, New York, um, even smaller sub markets like, uh, you know, Nashville or Memphis, whatever. And what you do there is you look at that. You look at whatever market is closest to you. And then you scroll down and you use like use your find function on your browser. There's a couple easy ways to do it, but um, you use the find function on your browser. You type in your market and you just peel through the document. And what you'll do is every time you um, find wherever you know, for in my case, New York, everywhere it comes up, what you'll see is you'll see. Um, names of mortgage companies and how many 203k loans they've had endorsed under their name in the last quarter so in the in like or the last month and the last fiscal in in the entire fiscal year so very quickly you're going to see some of these companies have done 20 30 um in the last year maybe some even in the last month the ones that are doing 30 in the last month these guys know what they're doing Right. So what you want to do is as soon as you see these these names, you list them out, you go, you know, get a notepad, write down the names of all these guys. And then all you have to do there is just do some research on them, look them up, look up the 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 office nearest to you um, on their website. So let's take for an example, you find Loan Depot. They're a big one. Right. Loan Depot. You type in Loan Depot. um, You type in Loan Depot Memphis. Okay. Um, you'll find the the office in Memphis that Loan Depot. Loan Depot does a lot of these. You call them up. You say, "Hey, I'm looking. Who uh, who heads up the renovation loans in your office?" And that's it. And just keep asking until you find the guy that does the renovation loans. Right. You'll know when you find them because they'll rage. They'll rave about it. They'll 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 you ask them questions. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, use your gut on this. You'll know very quickly if they if they understand what they're talking about. But it's very it's very simple. And uh, you know, like you said, you could you could pretty much pull up that that uh, that word document in in sixty seconds and find out very quickly who's doing the most of them in your market. Absolutely. So, um, sort of going down the list of kind of how these you know this process works, right? The, the best part, in my opinion, about the two hundred three k is it's sort of like flipping on training wheels, right? Yeah, right? I say that all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You see HDTV, right? A lot of people get real pumped up about it. Like this literally holds you through the, uh, hold your hand through the process, yeah. right? So let's kind of talk about that process. Um, you know, let's say we identify a property. We'll talk about maybe finding properties here in a little bit, but let's say we identify a property. We got our mortgage uh, lender now, you know, through that 60 second hack. Um, let's sort of talk about how they hold us through the hand, uh, getting contractors, you know, you know, the rehab process, like, Go into, go into detail about the loan going forward after you find the right uh, mortgage broker. Sure. So, uh, you know, the most I tell everybody um, that th- there's the three most important things that you need when you get going on this is you need to build a relationship with the lender, which we already talked about. Right. Second thing that you want to do is you want to build a relationship with a 203K HUD consultant. All right. You same way you kind of did the 203k endorsement summary. What you can do is you can Google 203k HUD consultants, and the the first uh, thing that comes up is going to be um, uh, the HUD's website, and it's going to be a directory. So all you need to do is type in. Usually, I just like to go by state because unless the HUD consultant lives in your exact town, um, they won't come up. So pick your state. All right. That's all you have to do. Pick your state and hit go. And you're going to see every single HUD consultant that comes up that that's registered in your state. So go through that list. Look up, uh, you know, look for the ones that are closest to your market or the market that you plan on buying in and call them up and tell them what you're looking to do. Okay. And usually what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll really, they're either going to, they're either going to be standoffish or they're going to be really helpful. And those ones that are really helpful, helpful are going to be the ones that can help you lead you down the process. Okay. You know, they, a, a big misconception is that your lender, um, appoints you a HUD consultant. That's so people think that the HUD consultant works for the bank. They don't, they actually work for you. You're the one that pays them technically. So, um, a lot of people get that misconstrued. So if you're if you're if you're going into this with with an intention of doing this, um, it's important. Why not get a HUD consultant that you like that you've built a relationship with, right? Um, someone that um, you know 
that you know you could feel comfortable with and depend on to do a couple things for you, right? I mean, number one, what they do is they help you create a scope of work. Um, that scope of work is something that you can agree on together without getting contractors involved. Because once you get contractors involved, that's when things get a little weird, right? Because what happens is, you know, contractors, uh, you know, coming from someone that works in the contracting business and has, you know, in, in a lot of different facets, um, contractors have a lot of creative freedom on what they think. And a lot of stuff gets lost in translation as well. So when you have a 203K consultant, you're basically getting a, in a, uh, an objective look at what you want to do on the property, right? And then you can shop that out to multiple contractors. And that makes finding a, a good contractor very easy, all right? And there's a multitude of ways to find a good contractor. You know, number one, you could look up contractors that uh, specialize in doing 203K loans. There's some out there. You can Typical easy Google search works for that. Um, you can utilize your lender. Uh, you can even ask the 203K consultant. They're, they'll be willing to give you some contractors. Um, you know, they might make you sign something saying that you're not, they're not pushing them on you or whatever. Um, you know, or they might just not be comfortable, but that's fine. But it's good to know that you can use these people as resources. Um, you know, they, the only thing, you know, with, with them offering a contractor is maybe sometimes they feel like they're, they don't want to. They don't want to propose like a conflict of interest, which usually there is none. You know, at the end of the day, they want this loan to get through. They want to get paid and they want to move on to the next one. Uh, you know, they don't want to they don't want any funny business. So they'll give you a list. And what you do is you mix in that list of people that, you know, from friends and family. That is the best way to find a contractor, hands down. I tell everyone that. And then, um, you know, use your Angie's list, use your home advisor, those types of websites, Yelp, whatever it is. Um, you know, those are, those are good resources. Look these guys up. You, at the end of the day, your contractor isn't going to be someone that you cheap out on. You need the creme de la creme. You need the guys that are not fly-by-night guys. You need license, insurance, bonding. These guys need to be able to float themselves, have a crew or two. You don't want, you know, John you know, Johnny from around the block, who's, you know, been, you know, a cop for a couple of years, but then also started doing renovations too. You know what I mean? Um, this isn't the place to choose a cheap contractor. So those are really the three main building blocks. And, and when you have a really solid three, like you said, it, it, the project ends up running itself, right? You have a clear scope of work. You have a 203K consultant that's there doing inspections as the, as the process goes. You and the contractor don't really have to butt heads much because at the end of the day, the 203K consultant is looking at what's done objectively again and saying, hey, you can get paid based on what you completed, right? If they did half the kitchen, they'll get paid for half the kitchen. They're not going to get paid for all of it, right? You know, a lot of times with, with people deal with contractors, you know, contractors either, you know, they get paid more than they should and then they, um, then, you know, they go work on another job and you lose them and then they run out of money and they can't start until you give them more money to start back on. Um, doing these steps are going to make sure that you don't have those issues. You don't want to deal with these types of guys. And, um, you know, these are a, a couple really good ways to, to make sure that doesn't happen. So let's talk about how they really, really protect you, uh, on the back end. So, um, at least from my experience, you know, you're in the middle of the process, you get towards the end, talk about the payouts and how they ensure that the contractor did good quality work and you're not going to get screwed, uh, as far as how they pay out and things of that nature. Sure. So once the 203K builds a scope of work with you, right, um, that agreed upon scope of work then gets pushed to the bank. Um, it's an official estimate. That's a contracted amount that the, that the, uh, that the contractor needs to do the work for, right? They also add a 10% contingency in there, which is great. All right. So uh, a lot of people are always worried. Well, what happens if something goes wrong? The 203K loan was built to protect against that because it's not if something goes wrong, something will, something will be unexpected. You're going to need that money. Chances are you might end up using it up, but that's what's good about it being there. Now, the 203K consultant during the rehab process is there to oversee, um, you know, what works being done and is in charge of really paying the contractor. Okay. Because they're representing the bank and they're representing you. So when the contractor gets to a certain point, you know, a couple of weeks, they've gotten a little bit done. You invite the 203K consultant out and the 203K consultant looks at the, the scope of work that you put together that you submitted to the bank. And it's very, very detailed, and this is good. It works in your benefit. There's no, again, there's no guesswork here. It might say, install 
300 square feet of this type of tile, right? Very, very specific. If they go in and they, they put down, you know, three quarters of the tile and that's all they have down at that day, no questions asked, the 203K consultant is going to say, okay, you can get paid three quarters of what that line item was. Let's just say it costed $1,000 to tile a room, right? They'll pay you $750 because you only did you only did three quarters of it, right? So it's, so it's, 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 it's in a direct correlation of how much work gets done. So typically you're going to have two or three draws and those draw periods again, work where the contractor gets paid on what they completed. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And again, it takes a lot of the, it takes a lot of the stress away from you because you have no argument with the contractor on what, um, what needs to get done. And, and it works in, it works in opposite directions too. You know, growing up, you know, my family was in the construction business and I can't tell you how many times they would hold back money from my dad because, you know, they, there was a, you know, there was a scratch in one of the, in one of the cabinets and they're holding back 10 grand. You know what I mean? Be for a scratch. So, so certain things like that aren't going to happen. And that's, and that's good on the contractor's end as well. It's very objective approach. The HUD consultant is there to be a, a, a basically a neutral third party that just calls balls and strikes. They're a referee of the whole process and um, they're looking out for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's sort of talk about your flipping properties now. Let's sort of talk yep. about uh, ways to find deals, uh, how you sort of coach yeah, you have you have a coaching program. How you coach your students um, mm -hmm. in finding deals and resources uh, when it when it comes to sort of fixing up properties, whether it's house hacking, which most of our listeners do, which is buy and hold, uh, and you're looking at cash flow and limb for free, or flipping, just just how to find uh, rehab properties. Sure. So, um, so obviously, like we were saying before, you know, the market in the last year or two has been uh, extremely inflated where I am. And, you know, I, I was battling with a couple different things on, on how I wanted to approach this. Um, you know, for a little while, I was looking at buying deals out of state. Um, and then, you know, I was I, I was really stuck on the fact that I like to do the rehabs myself. Um, and, you know, again, I have family in the construction business and it, it works out to our benefit. So I was kind of uncomfortable with doing the out of state thing. So lo and behold, I, I was looking around for deals. Um, my last one was last year. I flipped a small little bungalow out uh, out east from where I am now, about an hour away. And uh, everything went good on it, except for the fact that um the holding time was just a little too long. And at the end of the day, it was a decent flip. It wasn't bad, but it was one that I forced for a couple reasons. I built really good relationships on it and I, I learned a lot from it. Um, so after that, I wanted to immediately roll that profit, you know, into the next one. But I was just finding that everything was just getting so overbid, right? And and what I would tend to do is I would look at anything I bid. And see, you know, look it up in a month later to actually see what it went for. And I mean, people were picking up stuff at like 80 cents on the dollar, 85 cents on the dollar. Investors, I do not, because what was happening again, like I was saying was, um, you know, or what we were talking about a little earlier is that realtors are, were just trying to set records last year. So they were telling these, they were, they were telling these newbie investors that they could resell these properties for way more than they actually could. One thing I learned um, in the last couple of years flipping houses um, is there what the property is worth and what the property will trade for. Those are two very different things. So if you're listening to this right now, please understand that, okay? When you're flipping, all right, and we're, we're talking about flipping. I know you do a lot of buy and hold stuff, but even with buy and hold, right, uh, you know, there's – there's a lot of instances when, you know, you buy a house and you get, get given an ARV by your realtor and your realtor's thinking about selling to a retail buyer and getting the top dollar because they want the top dollar. But at the end of the day, when you're a flipper, you're doing multiple deals a year, multiple deals a month. Your biggest enemy is holding time. All right. Your biggest enemy is, 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 is carrying costs and everything like that, especially in markets like mine where it's super high cost. So, um, you know, I learned that from that experience and it kind of made me sit on the sidelines a bit. 
you know, as we were talking about before, I still have a full-time job, super important. You know, I, I always tell people, um, you know, I don't have to have it, but I like to have it because I like it for the stability of, of having that extra check. And I, I'm able to reinvest that check and I get my healthcare through that. You know what I mean? So it's good to have. And I focused a little bit on that. I've been focusing on helping students, like, like you said, like people that started joining and wanted to follow the 203k way strategy, um, and been putting a lot of time into that. So obviously I've spent a lot of time helping them find deals. Now I know how I find deals. Everyone's a little different. For me, I, 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 I go for whatever's really already on the market, right? MLS is, I think, riddled with deals. The problem is people just don't want to play the game. And the game is that you cast a wide net, an extremely wide net, and you use the shotgun approach. Um, and I tell my students to do the same exact thing with the 203K, right? Um, you know, for a little while, uh, you would find a lot of deals on HomePath.com. Now, HomePath.com is a Fannie Mae website, and really what's good about it is they openly accept owner-occupied loans, right? Owner-occupied renovation loans, right? So HomePath.com lists Fannie Mae federal foreclosures, and what they have on it is usually when they first list it, they have something called a first look period. All right. The first look period is uh, usually a 10 to 20 day period where only owner occupied loans can bid on the property. So you have no competition against cash investors. Huge, right? Huge, 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 because the bank needs to and is mandated to accept anything that's a reasonable offer within that time period. Right. Because in, in, at the end of the day, they want to help boost home ownership. Right. This is a good way for people to boost home ownership. It gives people a chance. It's a federal program. Very good program. That being said, over the last couple of years, since everything's been super hot, deals on there have been fewer and far between. Even so, I still see them out there. They're still out there, but um, they're not as hot. So I tell people, you really have to open up your eyes, go as wide of a net as you can, and look for every possible two to four unit in any range that you, any range that you'd be living, willing to live. And you sort everything by the lowest price, and you just start going down the down the list and seeing where the numbers work for what's comfortable for you, right? Do you want to buy? All, you want to be all in at seventy five cents on the dollar? Do you want to be all in at eighty cents on the dollar? It really depends on your strategy, right? Um, but the shotgun approach works well. It works well for me. It's what I've been doing. You know, I, I typically put out ten offers a week um, when I'm really in the thick of it. And uh, you know, ideally, what you're looking for is you're probably going to get a lot of rejections. But at the end of the day, some of them, you're going to get some negotiations back. And those negotiations are the ones you're looking for because those are how you find deals. Um, you know, one thing I've learned and one thing I try to teach everybody is now because it, it's helped me so much is that deals are not found. Deals are made. All right. You know, every newbie investor, whether you're buying and holding, whether you're flipping, they all look at listing price as like the end all be all. Right. A listing price is just that. It's a, it's a it's a it's an asking price, right? So what you need to do is you need to offer at the prices where it makes sense for you. It doesn't matter what it makes sense for them. At the end of the day, this business is about you. So in order to find a deal, you need to negotiate. And how do you get into a negotiation? <laughs> you make an offer, right? So um Making more offers is going to inevitably lead you to more deals. It's going to lead you to more negotiations. What's going to lead you to more deals. So um, cast the widest net possible. That's what always what I tell you to do. You know, if especially if you're looking at that two to four unit range, um, which is obviously what you want to do. So you could get that house hack. You could live in one unit, rent out the others, live for free, live out that term. Um, you know, that required minimum one year of an owner occupancy. If you use an FHA loan, live out that one year, one unit, and then move on and and house hack another one. But um, you know, it's 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 all about your comfort zone and uh, and just opening up that range because if you limit yourself. Um, you're going to get frustrated really quick. And that's not what this game is about, right? This game is about financial independence and it's a long-term play. You know, if you're house hacking, it's great, but you know, ultimately we're trying to do it for, uh, for a bigger reason, right? We're not trying to do it because this is our dream living situation. Maybe it, we're doing it because we want to retire early or, you know, we want to build a, we want to build a really sound portfolio where we don't have to work anymore, or we want to build generational wealth for our family. Um, so keep that in mind when you do this stuff and you're always going to be successful. Absolutely. Let's talk about something that's really underrated uh, with this loan. Craig Kerlop, 
uh, was on the show and he argued that, you know, PMI is one of the best things that's ever happened to, uh, you know, house hackers and, and sort of young investors in general, given the fact that we can have lower down payments and things like that. But something that's underrated with the 203k loan um, is the fact that you can force appreciate so much in the property oh, to where yeah. you can you can then do the bird method if you chose to, to refinance and pull money out, right? Uh, I went from, my wife and I went from 3.5% is, which is what we had to put down to 30, 37% equity in a property. I yep. uh, sort yep. of talk about that process and that underrated, uh, you know, thing within the 203k loan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, so one of the biggest things that I always tell people again is, is really, you want to look for as much equity as possible because I mean, that's really where you're, where you're making the, making the big play on, right? It's because your down payment is just so low. You're, you're very easily, and when I say easily, it's like you can find when we don't, you can offer at asking price for an REO, a bank owned property. And typically, bank owned properties are priced in an amount where if you put down 10, like 3.5%, which, you know, for a $200,000 house or something is like seven grand, you know what I mean? $7,000, if you build $50,000 of equity into it, you're turning effectively $7,000 into 50 grand in six months. That is, yeah. that is absurd returns, right? You could attest to this, right? You, right. you know, this doesn't happen, right? So at the end of the day, it, you're combining a couple of really great methods all into one when you're using a 203k loan or any other type of renovation loan, right? To do a house hack, live in hack, right? So number one, it's owner occupied and that's what you need to trade off to, um, get these insane rates, right? Obviously, that's fair enough, and it's definitely worth the sacrifice of living there, living, you know, sharing the house with someone if you want to do that. But this works with single family too. Let's not knock that, right? A lot of people love to get stuck on wanting multifamily, right? But at the end of the day, if I mean, some of the best investors I know always started started with doing live in flips, kind of similar to what you were saying, banking on that equity right? If you do a live in flip, you buy a house, you know, say you buy the house, you know, 70 cents on the dollar, you're all in for it. 70 cents on the dollar. Right. I mean, let's just take mine for example. Right. I bought it for, I was all into the property for three fifty. Um, you know, when all was said and done, it reappraised for four eighty. that four eighty, I was able to get a HELOC on. Uh, it's actually appraised now for five ten. It's gone up 30, 30 grand. I didn't do anything. It's gone up 30 grand in three years. That's 10 grand a year extra in my pocket every year. And, you know, that's on stuff that I didn't even have to do. Um, and that's that, that appreciate that forced appreciation, that equity that, that builds. And that's something that you can take advantage of. Right. I took out a home equity line of credit on that property. All right. It's kind of similar to the Burr method in the sense that like, it's kind of a refinance, a home equity line of credit is just basically another way of tapping into equity, similar to a refinance. Um, and basically what that is, is it gave me access to about another $70,000. So now 70 grand can easily get me into new deals. It does. You know, I used it on my last one to get into my deal. Uh, you know, hard money lenders usually make you cough up at least 10%, 15%. So that home equity line of credit is something that I could borrow at at like 5% or 4%, which is very low considering, uh, you know, you're doing a flip and, uh, I can tap into that money and use it to buy more property, which is really what I do right now. Um, so, you know, the main goal on doing a renovation loan really should be looking for as much equity as you could build because that equity is, is, is profitable equity. It's, it's liquid equity. It's something that you can, you know, doing a refinance, doing a cash out refinance, doing a home equity line of credit. You, this is stuff that you can tap into and you can use that to build your portfolio and multiply this, which is essentially what the end goal is for everyone here, right? You know, you want to build a portfolio. That's, that's where the, that's where the strength really comes. And that's where the wealth starts to build. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the people that listen to this show rent by the bedroom. So single family, uh, it would, it would be the same approach, right? A lot of people out in Denver, um, you know, Connor Anderson from BP, you know, he yeah. did a rent, you know, rent by the bedroom approach. Um, oh my so God. Yeah, definitely. This can definitely uh, be utilized like that. Oh yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you see newbies kind of get stuck. Um, and you know, what, what type of advice you get to help them get over that? Sure. So uh, let's start from the top of the process. Number one, newbies are so what's the best way to put this? Newbies are just so incredibly intimidated by lenders, mortgage loan officers, lenders, going to the bank. People are so, people think 
let me let me frame this differently. People think they need all their ducks in the row before they go to a lender. That's just simply not true. And if anything, it's hurting you more than helping you. Because a good lender, which is which is one you'll find, a good lender is going to know exactly what to do for your profile, right? On my Instagram, right? I get people, obviously, as as you probably get, um, people asking me questions all the time. And I do, I really do my best to answer every single one. Um, and if you're listening now, ask me any questions anytime. I will get to them. Um, but people ask me all the time, like, you know, uh, what will you know, with a 650 credit score and I have 10 K saved up and I've been working for this long, uh, you know, what, what can I get pre-approved for? Like, I don't know, like I'm not a lender, right? But the lender will tell you. And, and ultimately until you get the conversation going with them, they can't really tell you either, but they're trained to look at your entire credit profile and make recommendations based on your personal credit your personal savings, your personal uh, debt to income ratio, right? That's something that they're there to help you with. And listen, if you don't cr- check off all the boxes, that's absolutely fine. They're, if they're a good lender, they're going to tell you what you need to do to check the boxes. What I tell people is don't put the cart before the horse. Don't be looking for properties if your credit score is 560. Just just don't. like you f- Focus on repairing your credit right? You could repair your credit very easily these days. There's all these credit repair companies. A lot of them are crap, but you, if you find the right guys and usually your, your, your loan officer could recommend you to them. A lot of loan officers work with these types of companies that they forward to because again, they want your business. So that's the first thing uh, where a lot of people get hung up. A second place that they get hung up again is looking for deals. I think a lot of people just get caught up on their comfort level, right? Um, your comfort level kills you. Um, it, it absolutely kills you. It killed me. It still kills me. It kills me every day. It kills everyone. Um, it stagnates everyone. And the reality is, is if you don't have a little anxiety about what you're doing, um, it's not going to help you grow. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think I may have mentioned on the last, uh, on the last podcast we did, but one of the best books I read in a long time, and it's literally like 36 pages. It's more of a handbook. It's called you squared by price Pritchett. Um, it's about the quantum leaf leap. Uh, you making your life. And and it really just is a resounding uh, mention on staying out of your comfort zone and every and failing forward, right? Failures, failures only a failure if you, if you label it that way, or if you quit, right? So that being said, I'm, I'm getting a little philosophical here, but really what I'm getting at is, you know, I see a lot of people that I, that I teach and, 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 um, that I try to try to point in the right direction, get really hung up on the offering process and just really, like not seeing the bigger picture, right? They're very, very uh, pr- prima donna-ish on where they want to live and where they want to be. And it doesn't make sense for them to be here because they live here and blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, I didn't want to live you know, behind a bar next to the train tracks, but I did. And I'm happy I did for the little short time that I did, right? Um, you know, the house that I looked at, I would never in a million years have th- thought to live there. Never in a million years. When I first looked at it, at the property, I thought it was a piece of crap. And I thought there's no way that I'll ever be able to make this look nice. And this was my first 203K deal. And it, thank God I had a realtor around and a lender that was that was pushing me. They saw it because they had experience and they pushed me. They're like, no, listen, this is the deal. So I think it's opening people's eyes, opening people's comfort zones to what is actually doable versus the bullshit excuses that they tell themselves. Um, and then, you know, above all else, I think it's... Um, I think it's just not taking no for an answer, right? I, I think a lot of people uh, like miss the point that when I first did this, I was hit with more roadblocks than anyone. I think that I spoke to about a 203k loan. Literally everything that could have went wrong went wrong with me. But I I I have this pig-headed dumb determination where like I just refuse to give up once I'm really into something and uh you know it, it, it worked in this. And, and, um, sometimes it's it's dug in my grave deeper and deeper and deeper in many aspects of my life. I've, I've done a lot of things where I've dug all the way down and I finally did quit and I took the loss. But, um, you know, for this, I ran into a lot of issues and I just didn't take no for an answer. And I think that's what people need to do with something like this. Cause you might have a lot of people telling you differently along the way. And if you let that get to you, uh, you will fail because, you know, the second you stop is when you fail. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a, you know, similar. That's why I really appreciate that 60 second hack, um, because I think it'll yeah. save a lot of people 
uh, you know, I had a, a similar situation. I mean, it took three months to close and, and it was, it was just, uh, you know, it's, it's been so long now. I, I forget a lot of the objections I had, but I know there were a lot. Um, yeah. But but you know, like it's it it was so worth it. I mean, it was it was. Oh uh, my god! It's so incredibly worth it. And I think something that's so unique to house hackers that a lot of people forget about is is the greatest ROI of house hacking is what you save on your housing expense. I tell people all the time. I mean, saving <laughs> that thirty to forty percent on housing that the typical American spends uh, oh is god. the great ROI, uh, and then you reinvest that over time, and yeah. and uh, you know that's the thing that really makes deals great. Like Drew. The, my co-host and I, yeah. like we have totally different strategies. I've always been value add. You know, I flip like you did. So I, I look at properties. And I need to have that value add. I need to buy it at 70 or 75 cents uh, on the dollar where right. he, he he generally goes into properties that are more uh, ready to go. He, he has a, you yep. know, a great high end uh, IT job. He spends a lot of he loves it and he spends a lot of time on it. Um, you know, so he can spend 90 or 95 or even, uh, you know, one dollar. Uh, you know, on that dollar, yeah, and yeah, still yeah. make a great return because he's saving that thirty percent that he was paying on rent before. Um, you know, and, <laughs> absolutely, and, and he just keeps reinvesting it. So, with house hacking uh, combined with two hundred three, I think it's just, I think it's the best strategy out there. Period. Um, just the ROI on it, the fact that you made what uh, one hundred and thirty originally, now it's up to what one hundred seventy thousand in yep. equity on that property, mm-hmm. um, and flip for free. I mean, I think it's the, I think it's the pure, you know, straightforward, the best strategy out there. Oh yeah. And, uh, and that's why I champion it so hard, right? You know, people ask me all the time, are you a realtor? Are you a lender? Do you sell these loans? I'm like, no, man, I'm just some dude that is trying to scream from the mountaintop, the, 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 the skyscraper tops of Manhattan, which is literally what I try to do. I sit out my, I sit outside on my, out of my apartment and just scream this thing out to people because I, I think here's the thing I tell people, I tell people that, that come through my program, you know, I tell them I'm more excited than you are. Because I know what's on the other side. You don't know what it is to have this yet. I know this sounds extremely ignorant, but at the end of the day, it's like you don't know the possibility because you haven't lived it. I know the possibility because I've done it and I saw how much it was worth it again. And that's why I'm so juiced up about it. And I love that you're juiced up about it too. You know, obviously we could talk about this for hours, but, um, you know, it's just – there's a reason that I'm so passionate about this. There's a reason I spent time building this and and building this community and and spending all my time trying to give all this information out there is because I am so hyped up on it and I know what great of enough of a, what gr- how great of a deal it is. And more people need to know this. It's an absolute shame that people don't. And like you said before, people are getting sucked down that rabbit hole of kind of the low hanging fruit and wholesaling and all these guru type products. And and I see people getting taken advantage of, unfortunately, in some of these areas. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to pitch to them something that, listen, it's a little, it's a little tougher. You got to put some elbow grease in. Yeah. You got to be financially responsible. You got to save up a down payment. But listen, I tell people, people tell me all the time, what if I can't save up to 3.5%? I said, then maybe real estate's not for you. At the end of the day, 3.5%, I don't care who you are. If you're working and you, you're working a, a, a full-time job somewhere, you have some, some type of career, you can save up 3.5% no matter where you are. I don't care who you are. You can do it. And if you can't, again, this is the BS excuse that you're telling yourself. You can. You're just choosing not to. Right. And, um, you know, and that's and that's the beauty behind this whole thing is it's really low barrier of entry. If you're willing to put in the work, I mean, the 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 ROI, the invest, you know, the everything you're going to get back is uh, is just incredible in, in retrospect. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, people got to understand that if you want, you know, to become financially free or or, you know, become a, a actual real estate investor, I mean, it's going to take some serious rejection. It's going to take, you know, getting hammered on, uh, you're going to get into bad deals. Right. But that's a part of the process. I mean, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. And, uh, you know, again, the equity that I was able to build and the cash flow that I was able to build from that 203k deal, I mean, it would have taken me probably a a couple of, you know, at least a year at my day job to make that kind of money up, you know, and I was able to do it over the course of a couple of months, uh, doing something I loved. Right. So, I mean, building that equity is just what makes 203k such a great product. Um, because you, you don't have to just buy it for, you know, uh, 90 cents on the dollar, like the pro typical house hacker, you actually get the force appreciate, you know, um, and, and get a great deal in the process. So this is another thing I, I tell people, um, that, that follow me. Um, I say, if your boss told you, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollar bonus check and a $2,000 a month raise at the end of the year, 
if you move into a different property for a year and do some renovations on it, would you do it? Right? Like, would you take that bet? You know, all you have to do is save 10, uh, save 10 grand, but on the flip side, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars and I'll give you a $2,000 a month raise. You'd be an idiot not to take that. You just yeah. hate money at that point. Right. Yeah. And guar- I'm, I'm talking guaranteed. You know what I mean? And like, um, you know, that's a good way to put it into perspective. You know, a lot of people love to love to always think about the risk and versus reward and stuff like that. The biggest risk in this economy, in this world right now, and people are seeing it more than ever, the biggest risk is depending on a single income, period. Yeah. If you are depending on your day job as the only way of get, making money in this world, you are screwed. Look at what just happened. Look how, look at the unemployment rates in America right now. I am loving the fact that I have other f- sources of income. I have my rental properties. You know, I have, you know, I have another business. I have other investments. All that came from that initial down payment of $7,000, I now feed myself. I feed my family. I pay my rent off this money. You know what I mean? So it's like everything that comes from this is what's keeping me afloat and keeping me ahead of the curve. And, um, you know, I just want people to understand that any risk or any fear that they have is perfectly normal. It's just you have to act on that fear. You're never going to feel 100% comfortable with anything you do in this world. If you did, everyone would do it and everyone would make money and it wouldn't be as awesome as it is, right? Um, That's another thing that I think a lot of people miss and that's another thing I try to convince people is you're never going to be 100% ready, ever, you're just not even with even with your even with, you know, even with Brad, with your guidance giving to people or, or me or, you know, there's no number of podcasts you're not going to listen to. There's no level, you know, there's no amount of books you're going to read. And this took me a long time. I thought I could read my way into getting 100 percent confident on something. I thought I could go to, you know, enough seminars where one day I would really find the the right thing that would really push me over the edge. And the reality of it is it's that that's not true. I took a leap of faith. I ended up taking a leap of faith and it scared the hell out of me, but it was worth it. Right. So people need to know that there's no level of information that it's going to go into your head that's going to make you 100 percent comfortable. You need to take that leap when you're like 60 percent comfortable. All right. So um, that's a big one, too. Yeah, so let's go into this. This is our favorite question to ask. We ask every guest. Uh, what sure. sort of separates the potential house hackers from those that actually do it? When it all boils down to it, what, what separates them? Who? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I would say again, the people that see the bigger picture, the people that are really willing to make a sacrifice. They know their why, right? For me, my why is I didn't want, I don't want my family to have what I had growing up, which was fear of money in uncertainty with money, volatility, right? And w- everything that I do, any sacrifice I make today is going to be worth it down the line because that driving force behind me and that that thing that drives me is more important than any type of any it, it, it trumps any type of sacrifice that I'd have to make in 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 comparison to that, right? So the the best house hackers out there, the best flippers out there, anyone in real estate, they know whatever they're whatever's driving them is 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 the most powerful thing. And some people they just have it too good, you know, or or they just they're just too used to their comfort zone and they're not afraid and they're not willing to give up certain things uh, to make other things happen. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is your why. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go into the books you talked about. You you read a lot. Uh, what is something that what is your favorite business or mindset book you're currently reading or, or one of your all time favorites? Um, yeah. So, again, I, I think I mentioned it before, but I, I'll mention it again. Um, it's called U Squared, like U to the second power um, by Price Pritchett. Um, it's an excellent book, again, because it talks a lot about like just failing forward. Um, and then uh What's another good book? Like another great book on real estate that I that I loved is the book on managing rental rental properties by Brandon uh, Turner. Obviously, big, bigger pockets. Um, it's just probably the one actionable piece of content that I've read. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's again it, a lot of there's I've read so many books about real estate and like I always thought that there'd be ones that I could use and actually take. I think that book was one that I actually really. 
um, absorbed and pretty much did everything that they did. Because again, you know, you know, if you're house hacking or you're, you're becoming a landlord, you know, it, it's kind of intimidating, right? Like I never had any landlording experience and I was scared shitless of it. So the first thing I did was buy that book. Cause I've heard it was recommended and I really just followed everything they did. And so far, knock on wood, all my tenants have been great. I've never had any issues. They always pay on time. Even with COVID going on, they're still getting the payments in. Um, so that's a great book as well. Um, another awesome book is a guy who's one of my mentors, um, Stefan Arneo. Um, he's battling some medical issues right now and, and it's really, and it's really sad to see, but I know he's going to beat it. Um, but he has a lot of amazing books. Uh, one of them, which is the kind of foundation of a lot of stuff that he does is called money people deal. Um, and it's a really excellent book. It talks more about, um, how to raise capital and how to have the three, again, money, the money, the people and the deals and kind of how to bring them all together. And, um, you know, it's, it's another super actionable piece of content that I always recommend. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, going back to, I can't remember which Brandon Turner book it was. I think it might've actually been that one, but I, uh, I was reading that and I was flipping at the time and I had, a lot of anxiety because I felt like the market was just getting, you know, the margins were getting too thin. Yeah, uh, yeah. My market was heating way too up too fast. And I was like, man, I, I would much rather convert to buy and hold. Um, and I was reading that book and he mentioned 203K. That had that'd been the only time I'd ever uh, heard of the 203K loan. What the hell is this? You yeah. Know, like combine the two things. And uh, yep. so I, lo and behold, I, I talked to a mortgage broker and that was off to the races. So I can't remember if it was that book or. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, bu buying, buying, um, buying buying property with no or low money down. Yeah, yeah, I think, that, I think that 203K is mentioned in there a lot. Obviously, I'm that. on bigger pockets too, and I try to help people a lot on there. And uh, a lot of people say, oh, I saw it in that book. I'm pretty sure yeah. it comes up in that probably, book for probably sure. Probably that one, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I read a couple of them. So, uh, Matt, we really appreciate you coming on. Let, let people know where they can find more about you in your course. Absolutely. So, uh, first and foremost, I'm most active on Instagram. Um you know, we're good friends on there, always sharing each other's posts. Uh, you always put up amazing content and I try to do the same. Um, and you can reach me at the two zero three K way. Um, and then, uh, I have a website, um, called two Oh three K secrets.com again, two Oh, we see, we say two Oh three K, but it's two zero three K. Um, so two zero three K secrets.com, um, on there, I have a couple different tools and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm actually putting out a new course coming soon. Um, there'll be more info about that and we can talk more about that but um really on that website it, it gives a link to my book uh it's two bucks <laughs> i want to make it i want to make it enough where everyone could read it but i still want you to put something up on it because i want you to read it right it's a quick read 60 pages but it really goes into everything um talks about a lot of what we talked about here um and how to get started and then i also have a lender finder tool on there as well that you can bundle together with it um and uh you know it's uh it's really effective way to get started and as always i'm always here to help you can hit me up on Instagram, uh, comment on my post, send me a DM. I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, and, uh, I really appreciate, you know, everybody that comes out and reaches out and says, thank you. Um, this is who I do it for. I really do it for everybody. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on sharing your wisdom, your story. Uh, and again, I, I genuinely feel that the 203k and house hacking combined is the greatest strategy out there. Uh, Absolutely. So. Hands down would agree more than I, I again, I, I would, there's, there's no one out there that could convince me otherwise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, we appreciate it, Matt. You have a great night. Thanks, Brad. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. New episodes released every Wednesday and Friday.